Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. A Dadsnet original podcast. Welcome back to the Dad's Net Podcast. I am Al, that is JK, and we have got another really cool guest. And I say cool, she's cool. Um, like, obviously, that's coming from someone who's not cool in the slightest. Uh, so you're dripping. Yeah, I'm dripping. <laughs> I am dripping. I'm stylish, man. Yeah. Um, she's she's everything. She's, she's artist. She um, is a musician. She's yep. a singer. She She's done loads of stuff, and she goes into it, because she's done... She's a bit, she, she describes herself as a hustler. I'm a hustler, hustler. Yeah. Uh, it is VV Brown. Uh, who, currently, she's doing her. She's got a new album coming. Out. Oh, she's an author. She's got a book coming out. Wow. Um, but she's also a mum to two kids, and she's um, in a mixed relationship. Uh, sorry, a mixed race relationship. Uh, so she's raising her kids uh, quite rural as well. So outside wow. of London. So her children are kind of the only children um, in the class that are not white British, um, and she's. Got got lots of different challenges from that point of view she's a really insightful woman loads and loads of valuable stuff that comes out of this conversation it is vv brown how did she have time to actually talk to you <laughs> i must say we tried to do it in the summer holidays and we had to move it three times <laughs> there you go and that was because of the kids uh we joke about that because obviously if doesn't it can't be flexible for kids who can <laughs> <laughs> practice what you preach is vv brown <laughs> Another phenomenal guest on the show this week. It's, well, I'm going to say artist because you do a lot of different kind of artistry work I've seen. Uh, it's VV Brown. Welcome to the show. Hi. Which um, yeah. obviously kind of like mainstream, like like your kind of number one uh, like thing is, is your music. That's kind of front and centre. So like, I, I would love to just um, explore that and like how you ended up kind of becoming, um, getting into music and, and uh, that kind of thing. But first, let's find out about you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your family um, and then we'll go from there. Of course. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on this amazing show. And I've been dying to do a podcast that centres around more sort of parenting and career in music and things because it really is a juggle and it, I think it's really important to be able to talk about all of the stuff I do but in context of my parenting life which people don't know much about but yes I am what people would call a hustler when I'm at the school gates and people ask me what I do because they have I have no idea how to tell it to them so I just say hustler and they kind of side-eyed me thinking this person's really dodgy if they don't 
do music. So I'm a hustler. I do lots of different things. And I've been in the music industry as a musician, established musician for over 20 years. So I would, to the youngsters out there who are releasing singles in their with their first album, I am old. <laughs> but not actually old. So, Well, I don't know. I'm 40 this year, so I'm feeling it. I'm, feel- I'm in my studio right now, rocking backwards <laughs> and forwards. Know how to deal with this four zero situation. Um, so yeah, so I've done that, and I think from my music has come many things. So I did modeling in my 20s, and then I had my own business in my 30s, a sustainable uh, fashion uh, store, and, and then I branched out into journalism. I went for The Guardian and Huffington Post, and all the different things. I've written a book, so it's Music, it kind of is like a, a tree. All the, there's lots of different branches that come from the brand of my music into other areas um, that I enjoy. It's creative. Yeah. I'm really glad that you have said yourself you're unsure how to answer the question of what do you do? Because I was thinking, oh, how do I introduce Phoebe? <laughs> like, she does kind Hustler. of everything. But I'll, next, I'll just lead with Hustler. Let me start again. We'll do it with Hustler. Uh, welcome to the show. It's Hustler, Phoebe Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've got a fantastic voice. Um, obviously, when you were coming on the show, I've, I've looked around and uh, listened to um, a lot of your work and, and it is fantastic. So that, that was like first and foremost. And so how did you kind of get into that music scene? I will get onto the parenting bits, by the way, but I thought it'd be useful. No, no, no. It's um, um, important because I guess, you know, people who haven't heard me or even people who know my music, a lot of the time the, the, the backstory mm. is missing. You get this glossy, yeah. shiny press release or bio, but without any real backstory. So, yeah, I, I started in music very young. I wanted to do it from the age of five. It sounds really corny, like, you know, I wanted to be a musician yeah. from when I was born. But I really, 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 really had this strong conviction so I was involved in lots of choirs and things like that in school and then I think what allowed me to get into the industry is I was in a band uh, when I was at 15 I used to travel from Northamptonshire to London every Wednesday and perform at the premises studios which now is a very hipster trendy place where all the big bands rehearse but back then it was a complete <laughs> shithole I don't know if yeah I'm yeah yeah go there. for it it's fine Okay, um, and um, in Hackney, and I used to perform there, uh, rehearse for small gigs and stuff like that, and record companies would, would go there. And so when I was 15, 16, I got offered a record deal uh, by a guy called Guy, um, who worked at Gut Records. And my mum said, no, you're too young, you need to finish your GCSEs, you're not going into that industry, you need to get an education. And my mum, she was a headmistress, so she was very much about education. Um, and so, but I got a taste of the industry from a very young age. And I continued down that path until eventually I got signed to Polydor Records at 18. Um, that went completely wrong. Um, <laughs> went to LA, was met all these different celebrities and stuff like that. Will I am Pharrell Williams and all these amazing people. And I was just had the most crazy imposter syndrome mm. because I'm from Northampton. Anyone been to Northampton no. town? Most people will drive right. through it, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
is very polarized. Um, and it didn't go right. I ended up getting dropped from Universal and then it slowly but surely a long journey. It then finally led me to getting another record deal on Island Records, which is when things started happening for me and Shark in the Water came out, my first album. And I guess that was the beginning, I guess, of my career when I would say I broke yeah. through um, into the industry as I would say an established musician who was able to pay her mortgage by yeah. her job. So yeah, so it's it's not been easy for me. I didn't. It's not. People think that Shark in the Water was like my first deal in that moment, but I had already had eight years prior to that of trying yeah, to banging get the door deal. down. It's it's. Um, I think that's refreshing to hear, actually, and probably a lesson that we probably need to teach our children a lot more that things are very difficult. They don't just happen, and you have to. You actually have to work at something and you're going to get knocked back and and that is that's how that's how you learn who you are when you're down when you've been knocked down are you going to get up are you going to try again are you going to keep going how are you going to respond to that and i presume as well i mean well i guess this is the question how has that experience of of the success but the the knockbacks before the success how has that impacted how you now are raising your children Oh my goodness, what a, what a great question. For me, failure is a beautiful thing. In our household, when we aren't able to do something or if something doesn't go right, I always encourage my children to not look at it as being defeated or it's a negative thing. This is an opportunity and a moment to learn how to do something better, how it affects yourself how you can grow. It's a Failure is an important part of success. Failure is an important part of growth. Learning how to reconfigure and move to the next stage. So that is a massive thing that I teach my children. It is an, an integral part of humanity, being human. And the other thing that it does is that it, it teaches you humility because I think in, in the industry that I'm in, there's a lot of wankers out there. There's a lot of people who are like utterly up their own butts, yeah, like delusional. And I think that when you experience failure or being told no or being knocked down a few pegs or it not working out how you thought, and then you finally do achieve it, you kind of have a little bit of, um, there's a sense of appreciation of what you have now. So that's another thing in the household that we teach is the gratitude mm. of receiving something that you've worked hard for. Nothing is ever given to you on a plate. You're not entitled to anything. Everything is something that is because you've worked for it and when you get it, you appreciate it. And that is a toy that you get for Christmas or if you've done chores and you happen to get a bit of pocket money or if you're 40 years old and you're terrified and you're about to release a book next year which i'm going in drug mode every single part of it is to appreciate you yeah and it's so important the parents are teaching this because i i don't know if i should say it out loud but i'm going to kids don't have that like when i see kids out and about or online or whatever i see entitled i see I deserve this. I see this kind of sense of um, 
selfishness and do you see what, and so i think it's really important that parents are not teaching that anymore that that actually are the next generation that we're raising my youngest is nine that he's he's as he gets older he is learning that he has to work hard to get something and when he does is to enjoy it and it and make the most of it exactly i think we're living in a a generation that is very unique i think i'm not sure how old you 35 are. You look, you look, yeah you don't look <laughs> older much older Younger. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounded like i was going towards an insult but i meant like you've got a baby face we 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 are millennials i guess so we grew up in a time when the internet was kind of just bursting through I mean, I remember dial up yeah. when I would have to wait for ages for it to like, for my screen, like when I was around sort of 12, 13, 14. Now we're living in an age where there's TikTok and, and um, Minecraft. Yeah. And everything's and instant. Everything's instant. They're seeing all of these like very, um, what's the word? Very inauthentic versions of reality and success and achievement and all this kind of stuff. It's all packaged with gloss, with quick editing, Mm -hmm. quick rewards. And so while kids are growing up in a different psychological aquarium right now, for me and my kids, I want to protect them from that delusion and from that instant gratification that takes away that patience and graft um, and quietness, yeah. where there's stillness and a, a moment to think. Um, so it's quite scary. My kids are young. I've got um, a, a six, year, seven-year-old, her birthday was last week, and a four-year-old. And so they're just getting into that internet thing. I mean, when Josie goes on my iPad, she is manoeuvring things. She knows things on the iPad yeah. more than me. I'm like, Heck, did you minimize that tab and go there? Yeah. What? They're quick. They're qu- and, they, and they're it's instinctive as well. Yeah. Like they kind of just sort of mm. know. <laughs> I think I don't, I don't understand. Very strange. Yeah. Um, so you've got a new the new book coming out next year. There's a new album on the way that people can pre-order. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so the book's actually coming out this year at yep. the end of the year. And, um, yeah, I have a new album called "Am I British Yet." Yeah. Um, which comes out on October the 26th, but you can pre-order it now. Go and do it. Um, if, if you're listening, just go and do it because it's 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 going to be great. If it's in line with everything else, it's going to be great. <laughs> um, oh, I, I'm really proud of it. I, I am. And, but there's a, there's, a, a, there's a story, like there's a context around the album, isn't there, in terms of Britishness and in terms of uh, race and, and like I think I guess the question I want to ask is how do you find raising your kids in your situation in Britain today because yeah uh, that's a big question but start unpacking it and we'll go from there big 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 things I'm gonna say big question so first of all I have a complex layer when it comes to my parents and my children, because my children are dual heritage. So my husband's white and I'm black. So we aren't only dealing with the issues of race. We're dealing with the the two races coming together and all the greatness in that, but all the 
horrible stuff in that that we have to navigate with our kids. So for me as a black mother living in the countryside, outside of a big city, it has been an interesting experience raising my children where they're going to schools where they it isn't as multicultural as London and they are asked they are now starting to ask questions. They have experienced within the classroom microaggressions and let's I'll be honest, racism, even at this age. So raising my children um where they are brown, um it the, the thing that is a little bit sad is that I have to talk about racism to them at a young age so that they are prepared and understand that when it happens to them they know what to do like I have to give them the tools at this young age so they are aware because it happens and sometimes it's innocent you know children always say stuff that is they don't mean but it still penetrates to them a way where they feel different or othered. So I think that that's one of the things I'm noticing. The other thing is because they're dual heritage, it's really important that when I'm talking about racism and equality and making sure that everyone's beautiful, no one's better than the other, you know, reading them books, I'm not doing it in a way that demonizes their white side. I want them to be proud of their white British side because there's amazing things about white British culture that I want them to learn. Um, I don't want to teach them that, you know, all white people are racist and it's, you know, demonize it because that's totally not the case. It's only a few idiots. Um, so that's, that's an interesting challenge. Effie came to, to came home and she learned about Rosa Parks at school. It was very interesting. And she said, money, um, I learned about Rosa Parks today and how black people weren't allowed to sit at the front of the bus. And she said, um, um, that made me sad. Does that happen now? And, and, and then she said something like, does daddy, did the daddy's family do that? Because she just couldn't, the concept was just too complicated. You know what I mean? So I had to explain that to her and say, oh, no, daddy's family love you and they're lovely and every, you know, everyone's great, lovely. You get the odd few that aren't. But it's just having to talk about that is it's it's it can be complicated to communicate in a way that they it's, it's really hard and it's really it's really tough. It's 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 the type of conversations that we shouldn't have to have with our children. But we do. Well, mm. you do. I don't. Um, but it's along this, you know, it, it's, there are topics that are becoming more and more, uh, to the forefront of society that we're having to have with our children that we shouldn't have to have. And it's things, um, and, and this is one of them that certainly, um, for you in your context, like, it just, it's really sad you have to do that. And and it shouldn't be. And I don't, I don't know. How, I don't know what the, what the answer is. I don't know how I do. you, you, I, I, I think I have, might have the answer. Both. I think it's really important that white families are also talking to their children about this conversation. 
because for a long time, black families or dual heritage families or any family where there is a minority, we have been talking to our children. You know, my mum had a conversation with me. We've been talking to our children about this because it's happening to us. But if it's happening in all families and all families are learning about multiculturalism mm -hmm. and racism and equality and all, all the different things, and it's a conversation in white families as well, children, white children will also be equipped so that when they're going to school, they have an understanding about it as well. And then that will create more understanding overall. And I think that will lead to eventually us not needing to talk about it yeah. at all because the next generations are just going to know it. Yeah, and it becomes you know I mean? just the normal thing. Like exactly. The, the, different, the difference is just the differences that people have in their appearance and, 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 and even, well, and their behaviour as well. It's just normal. Just people are all equal, but all different. Like, Yeah. White families have a responsibility to teach their children about other cultures and the reality of racism, just as black families yeah. have to do to their children. And I think sometimes there's a, a disconnect where they think, well, some families think, well, because I'm not black, I don't need to do it because it doesn't happen to us. But it's important, you know, and they're starting to do that more in schools now where there's more multicultural books and everyone's learning about it rather than it just being a black issue. It's a people Yeah, yeah, issue. yeah, definitely. But we're seeing, we're seeing that, obviously, you can create a very different topic, but we're seeing that as well with the trans movement and, um, you know, sexuality and LGBTQ plus and all of those kinds of things. The, those conversations need to be had as well because it's, it's other differences that, 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 that people we're seeing more and more prominently through society that, that we need to have a conversation with that with our children. And, you know, that's the kind of education that... Um, that we're all having to have. And it's such a, it's such a windy road. Like, and, and I think part of that yeah. is that the media just moves so quickly. You know, it's such a changing environment really, really quickly, um, which in some ways is good, I suppose, because we want quick change when there is oppression, you know, at stake. We want quick change. We don't want to like delay that. Um, but yeah, it is a minefield. Yeah, it is, it is, it is. But it's all for the good of equality. So you know, the bigger picture is everyone yeah. is welcome, no one feels othered, and we just have yeah. to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> and do you feel as well, like, through your music and, you know, your your other platforms, your books and your social media and, you know, the other bits of hustling work that you're doing, do you feel like you're able to, even if you can just kind of deliver that message to one or two mm -hmm. people who might get inspired by some of the artwork, some of the lyrics, some of the, you know, the music or whatever. Do you feel like that you've got a not responsibility, but do you feel like that's a bit of your purpose? That's kind of why you want to do this. 100%. I think that becoming a parent has made me have way more perspective about what I want to contribute to Ooh. society through my music books and whatever I'm doing. I mean, if you look at my music catalogue, it is pretty eclectic. Every album is very different. But this album is, is way more political and way more sociological. So, yeah, I definitely feel since being a parent, I've become more outspoken. Even before the Black Lives Matter mm. movement, I was very much writing for The Guardian and talking about these issues before consciousness shifted slightly with that, with that movement. 
Um, so yeah, it, I do feel like it's very much part of my identity and purpose. Yeah, and you're, you know, we're all trying. Well, we all desperately want to leave the world a little bit better for our kids and our grandkids, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, because. <laughs> goodness me like some of it's terrifying i think now even like think about the economy and you're like oh my god how how is ted and isla my kids how are they gonna get a house or like a job that's just gonna be able to cover milk and bread at the shops like how are they gonna do it so you know so we all are desperately trying to change society for our children but you're right when you become a parent it puts an entirely different context on what you want to do with your life Absolutely. And it shifted my life so much. And it, do you know what it did? Not only allowed me to have, want to have a louder voice, but when, before I had kids, I was so consumed with being successful, hitting those statistics, like selling records. What is it to be a hit record and all this kind of stuff? And I was very, I validated myself by what society thought of me and my happiness was wrapped up in all of those things. You know, I used to get very depressed um, about what it meant to be a successful pop musician. As soon as I had kids, my priorities yeah. shifted and it was like reality opened up and there was a new definition of happiness and success. And I was defining my own versions and it was so liberating to think to myself, why have I been a slave to these societal conventions of success? I look at my children playing on their wooden treehouse in the garden. That gives me more joy. And I feel more success in that moment than any hit record has ever yeah. given me, ever. And it's a beautiful place to be when your life shifts that way. And you can, be, you can feel still yeah. and calm in in that yeah. moment it's beautiful I, love this I think that that also frames your approach to your career as well doesn't it in a slightly different way but we um we had a guest on the show um a while ago now and she she was a dj quite a successful dj and you know playing big mm. clubs um all over and she she says she hid her pregnancy for eight and a half of the nine months because the industry that she was in, she would have lost work. People would have chosen someone else and whatever. But so I, I don't know whether the DJ industries, I guess they're similar in some ways, but how did you find, cause you took a large gap, didn't you? To, to go and be mum full time or certainly like big focus. So how has that been for you to come out of your, your really driving your career and your music forwards, have kids. And I guess like, so how was that? But then how's it been kind of going back as well? Have you found that it's been, people are like more reluctant to engage with you in a career sense because your priorities, obviously your kids. This is a, another really great question. The industry, the infrastructure of the industry does not support women who have children. Um, I did. I didn't hide my pregnancy, but I definitely would lie about my childcare issues. Or if I was having a meeting and I couldn't make it because of childcare issues, I would just pretend like I had another meeting. I wasn't transparent. Um, I was very anxious about being pregnant and how it would shift. Being self-employed and in the music industry, there was no sort of 
safety net for a self-employed pregnant woman yeah. other than the government um, amount you get, which is ridiculous. It's like eight eight grand for the year. Um, I I really struggled. I really tried in the first few months and during my pregnancy to continue my career. I was very optimistic. I was like, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to get the same amount of work. I'm going to do it all still. And then when Effie was born, it was difficult. The calls slowed down. Um, there was definitely an assumption that I wasn't able to do what I was doing before. Um, I even was, I kind of started to question my contracts, like contractually, how does my record deals mm. help and reflect me as a woman? It's very youth, young, no kids, men orientated. Um, so yeah, I really relate to that. It was, it was, it's hard for women who have children and, you know, you've got men in the music industry who are also dads who don't have the same issues they're still going back on tour and doing their thing where when the women if you notice most musicians who have babies just analyze it even the big artists yeah we all take massive break we all we either leave and don't come back or we all take a big break it's rare i think that i know anyone who just carries yeah. on um so yeah it is it is a struggle and i got depressed i, I had postnatal depression and I think it was triggered by me not being able to go back into work and have that feeling of support in the same capacity as I had before. Um, and I tell you what, it's still hard. It's now that they're older at school, it's still mm. hard because I'm having to schedule. And I don't think this is just a music thing. I just think well, that, a life that was my next question. Like how now are you balancing being a parent with working and obviously i mean generally working like everybody because everybody has to balance yeah. working and, and kids and family time and we just come off the summer it's funny when you were saying about having to lie about um not being able to make meetings because of childcare stuff it's funny for those listening we, we we've been ch chatting to vivi for a few months now trying to get a date in the diary to have this conversation and then i remember i messaged going oh are the kids i've got kids tomorrow <laughs> like can we just reschedule and you're like yeah i've got kids tomorrow as well let's reschedule <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I was so happy when you said that because you feel like, I felt oh this person. It's just so nice when you know. Excuse me, someone else is going through something similar and understands. Yeah. We, we say it with um with the with the staff at Dad's Net. We're like, look, if you can't be transparent and just say you got childcare problems with Dad's Net, then the world really is like ruined. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if we can't understand kids and family stresses nobody will um but that was my question like how do you how are you balancing it now with work so i tell you what was a massive revolution for me and it was and, and i say this tentatively because obviously lockdown was a horrible time many people went through a lot it affected our mental health but the way that it has revolutionized the working, the workplace and meetings and the idea that things can happen at home, it completely revolutionized my life because I have a lot of meetings in my schedules and the fact that I'm now able to do them from Zoom at home, yep. it really, 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 really changed the game for me. I was almost able to kind of shift 
back to capacity how I was before I had mm. kids. Um, the other thing that's helped is I've become so much more organized, <laughs> like to the last hour. And um, we are grateful enough to also have um, a nanny that we have two days a week. Um, I've got the grandparents heavily involved now and they, you know, we've tried to make them as part of the routine as possible and, and when we need them. So we've got a really good support system. You know, it takes a tribe to raise, what is it? It takes a village yeah. to raise. I don't know what it is exactly, but I know the one you mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think all of those things have helped. The fact that Josephine, my youngest, is now at school has changed the game. They've got a great after-school club. So we kind of pendulum between all of those things and it works. And I now I'm not ashamed of saying to a record company or someone having a meeting, I can't do it because 3.30 is when I have to pick mm. up the kids. And I've made it clear to all my clients and people that there's a window that I just cannot do. It's just, no, it's a, it's, I call it the trenches. Yeah. It is it's like <laughs> it's like chicken nuggets are flying around. Kids are hanging off the pendant lights. Someone's doing a wee in the corner. Your husband, yeah, blue, yeah. <laughs> blue is on, and someone's pinching on my breasts. I can't do no meetings mm. in that time. Mate. Yeah, it's, that's the way as well. Like, that's the only way things are going to change. Um, and I think lockdown did really help with that, with the flexible working, because I knew people who were like, they were London eight till six, like that was their thing. They were London eight till six. And then I started seeing them at the school gate. Cause obviously we've got some, we have flexible working at that set. So I was able to kind of do a lot of the school pickups, which was really nice. But I started seeing yeah. more dads and more, more mums at the gates that, that I knew worked. And I'm like, Oh, but aren't yeah. you at work? They're like, Oh yeah. I just don't book any meetings between three and four. So I pick the kids up, I go mm -hmm. home and then I log back on at four. And like, it, we need to be making that much more normal and much more uh, like regular and employers will yes. get it. Um, and I also think as well, um, I mean, I don't know if Jack's still listening because he works with dads there, but I always think if we're flexible and kind of offer that flexibility, they'll work harder mm -hmm. and they will at some, you know, you'll make it up elsewhere. You'll get the stuff done and probably more because they value working for the company well my husband he is an amazing dad and he's a hands-on dad you know he was like doing all, it did, we're very 50 50 he did everything died you know he's the dad with the baby yeah. on the, the baby carrier like that's dan and before covid he'd asked for flexible hours because he was in a job like that he would commute to london he would come home and not really see the kids really and i had to carry carry that those hours whilst doing everything that I'm doing um but after COVID even they rejected his flexible working hours but after COVID sorry sorry before COVID they mm. rejected his proposal for flexible working after COVID revolutionized our family because he was able to get three days at home and two days in the office and it meant that he could do the school pickups he could be home he could have dinner together as a family and he, as a man and as a father, he wanted that because I think there's a lot of conversations about women. And it's true, we, we really do have to juggle. And a lot of the time, these positions fall on us as women. I don't know, it, it just sometimes 
naturally we become maybe because we like we give birth to the babies there's this societal obligation that the women take that pressure but we can't all we can't forget that men also are taking a different kind of pressure once a lot of men want to be at home they want to do the school pickups and they're obligated they're not given flexibility to be dads so my husband we're so happy with how his work place has shifted and it's just so nice you know and dan was the same he would go to the pickup and see parents he'd not met and other yeah. dads well who were like i'm i'm yeah. you you're right <laughs> yeah how's this going yeah fine mate yeah yeah, yeah fine <laughs> yeah but really yeah yeah i'm no, fine yeah fine <laughs> let's have a beer <laughs> Everything comes up. No, and then they cry. Oh, she left me. Um, <laughs> well, sometimes. Um, hopefully not, but sometimes. Um, no, it is like, you know, COVID was a mad, mad situation. So much awful things connected. But there are some things that have changed, changed for the good from that. And I think we should try and hold on to them. Um, Vivi, I, I, I feel like we could just keep chatting all day, to be quite honest with you. But um, we are, I do have to, I do have to kind of wrap it up on the basis that, <laughs> I, we, ha- we have work to do, jobs to do, other meetings, and uh, but it's a shame. Um, but maybe at some point, maybe when the book's out or early next year or something, we, you, you can come back and join us. Um, oh, with my yes, husband. Yes, we, we should definitely do that. Like, he's really successful um, uh, filmmaker. He, does, he works for a great company called McCann. And I, I, it'd be great to get his perspective as yes. parents. You know what I mean? Very creative in in so if you want my hubby to come on Sounds as well great. i think i have to ask him he's not a really immediate that's person. fine podcast are easy it's just a chat it's just a conversation that's easy yeah. those. um well thank you so much i really appreciate your time um and uh yeah it's been fantastic to have you on the show thank you so much a dad's net original podcast